You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Before we get started, housekeeping. Make sure you're subscribed or following the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure that if you're watching it in YouTube, you are uh, getting those notifications for the 93.7 The Fan Feed because then you'll get these videos included as a part of that. But yeah, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, or of course, your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, however you get your podcast, make sure you are following and subscribe to Fourth Down in the Steel City. We come to you throughout the week getting you ready each week for the Steelers opponent and then we come to you after games like this one and throw our hands up and say yeah yeah, yeah, didn't see that one coming had an idea that maybe it would be a little uncomfortably close if you remember if you watched our picks episode this weekend you know I I thought it would be uncomfortably close Uh, that wasn't out of the realm of possibility coming into this one Uh, Josh but Uh, This was, forget the uncomfortably close, it was just uncomfortable to watch them get whooped again in the trenches, to watch the offense look inept, to just watch a complete and total failure against a team led by a rookie quarterback who they shouldn't have had as much trouble with, but C.J. Stroud, bang, 300 yards passing. What does that tell you when uncomfortably close is the best case scenario we're expecting? Hmm. That doesn't sound very promising or very. No, you make a good point. Like that, I mean, if you if we think back, just like week one, we were talking about surviving San Francisco, right? You know, week two, we were talking Bubba Sparks ugly. Week three, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, maybe we could see some progress. And now we're like, hey, hopefully it's uncomfortably close. 
that that's a really not very appetizing sequence of descriptions of, ex, yeah. of expectations for a football game, much less the results of said football game. I I don't know. And that's I before mean, all this happened. Yeah, and that's before all this happened. And and this, as we make the motion with our hands and kind of throw them the palms up to the ceiling, like uh, um, this was like I said, C.J. Stroud throwing for three hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns. This was Nico Collins going absolutely off, catching both of those touchdowns uh, and going uh, 168 yards receiving. This was Damian Pierce, uh, 81 yards on the ground. This was the Steelers' offense never really getting on track, not even crossing midfield until the was it the third quarter, late second quarter. Um, I think it was late second quarter. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett uh, throwing for just 114 yards and a pick and everything looking disjointed. The lone bright spot, really, I guess, Najee Harris, uh, 71 yards on 14 carries. But that's that's not much of a bright spot. Um, they had zero sacks on the defensive side, three tackles for a loss. That was it. it there was no one on the defensive side, showing up in the Texans' backfield. There was no one making plays on that side of the ball, which unfortunately is kind of like what has to happen for the Steelers to win now. The defense has to make plays. And again, we're left watching an offense that has no identity. So the OC doesn't know what he wants to call in any given moment. And the guys on the offense know that there's no identity. So they're not quite sure about which way it's going to go in any given moment as evidenced and personified and exemplified, I should say, by going shotgun on fourth and one with the game in the balance uh, that ends up leading to your quarterback getting injured. And so 30 to six is the final, Josh. It, it didn't even feel that close to be quite honest. And we are left trying to figure out where the changes are going to come. Because Mike Tomlin said, was asked, will there be changes? He said, oh, hell yeah, there, there, there's got to be some changes. But we also know that this organization abhors change. I mean, they hate it. Uh, so I don't know when and how to expect changes and what those changes may be. I, I'll be honest. I think it'll be lip service. I think we'll look up going into Sunday's game against the Ravens and maybe even following that game and following the bye week. And we'll see the same thing we've seen. And the only people that will get replaced will be the ones that were injured today. So Pat Fryermuth, Kenny Pickett, um, whoever else uh, there was. Uh, oh, um, sorry. Dan Moore Jr. Um, I, 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 I have a feeling that we're going we're not going to see the kind of change that really does need to happen. Here, here's the problem I have with the the concept of them saying that they're going to make changes because the problem is the changes we would like to see them make are going to happen. Right. The changes we might expect realistically for them to make probably aren't going to happen. As a matter of fact, the changes that they make, we may not even see or know what they are. Mm -hmm. They'll probably do it on their end of it. They're not going to tell us what they are. They're going to keep them quiet. Mike Tomlin is going to go out in front of the media in 
36 hours from this recording, maybe a little more than 36 hours from when we're uh-huh. recording this, and talk about the changes being made that he will not go into detail about, and he will not let us know what they are. But we are under the impression that changes are being made. We were also under the impression, since we're things that we were told were going to happen. <laughs> things that we expected that did not things happen. Things that we expected that did not take place. We were also under the impression Man. that this team was supposed to make changes before the season started. We were under mm-hmm. the impression that this team was supposed to be a more physical uh, football team. They were yeah. going to be more based around you know being physical and being tougher and being a group of bullies. We were told those changes were supposed to happen. We're still waiting for those changes. So maybe that's what he means. Maybe they now are forced to live up to the changes that we thought were coming before this season. I'm I'm trying to find a way to rationalize it to make it all make sense. And here's the thing. The changes that that I could foresee happening – like we, I mentioned Pat Fryermuth maybe being injured. We don't know. It's a hammy. I would imagine that that'll be more than a week. Um, Dan Moore Jr. We don't know how long that injury will be. We don't know how long Pickett may or may not be out. Um, but when when I think of changes that could happen, like I could see, say, okay, uh, Roderick Jones takes over at left tackle due to injury. Uh, Darnell Washington starts getting tight end, you know, starting tight end snaps. Because of injury, I could even see, I could even see more Joey Porter Jr. in, say, standard packages. Um, but that's even that kind of stuff is not going to be enough to really turn this thing back in the direction that it needs to turn in quickly. Uh, because all of those are, I, that's great. Go ahead, make those moves. That's not going to be enough based on what we saw today, what we saw week one when a very similar coaching staff uh, absolutely ravaged this team. Um, Based on what we've seen, that's not enough. That's just not. It's not, but it's a start. Um, One of those changes that you mentioned should be a very big start, as I adjust my microphone, forgive me. Um, But one of those changes needs to be a start because it's something we did not see in this game um here's an idea we talked about darnell washington how about darnell washington being on the field during run plays yeah because that first drive of the second half and this was after i mean granted Broderick jones was already in the game so it's after dan moore got hurt because dan moore got hurt in the first quarter we saw some darnell washington on the field at that point during that opening drive of the second half but then they get to a third and two situation in the red zone third and two Houston's 15-yard line, first drive of the second half. Not only did they pull Darnell Washington on the field, off the field for a potential run situation, they left Pat Fryermuth on the field for a potential run situation. And then the third two carry to Jalen Warren became a negative negative two-yard carry because Pat Mm. Fryermuth ended up in the backfield. Because we we keep being sold this bill of goods that is Pat Fryermuth as a blocker. It's not, yeah, it's not, no one's buying it. No one is buying it. And the Texans damn sure ain't buying it because they pushed him into Jalen Warren's lap. And that ended up being a field goal. And this is the opening drive of the second half. We're not even going to get into how 
Uh, no, take that back. I'm lying. We will get into the fourth and one call. <laughs> oh, we will. we will. We will. I am lying through my teeth because we will get into it. We won't <laughs> we have get to. into it right now, but we will later. But that's one of the changes I'd like to see. I'd just like to see more personnel specific that are more decisions that are more prudent. Having yeah, and, guys and- that do what you need them to do in situations where they're able to do that. Let's start there. That will be a drastic change because there's some things they haven't done yet. I mean, it's it's what we talked about before the season even started. We said we said give us this. give us two tight ends because then we're not telegraphing, right? If both tight ends are in there as a part of your your basic offensive package, especially once Deontay Johnson got hurt. I mean, right. you it, go ahead. You don't need to have three receivers on the field. I like Calvin Austin when you can get him the ball. Um, but, right. you know, he he doesn't need to be out there every single snap. Or tell Allen Robinson, thank you for your service, sir, but we only need you about 35% of the snaps. Put two tight ends out there and don't telegraph whether it's a run play or a pass play, as you've been doing when you put Pickett under center or put him in shotgun. Actually use the tight ends and understand that Friar Muth is not a, a blocker. He's not. If he's going to be out there, you can line him up on the line if you want, but don't count on him to actually block. And I love Pat. He's wonderful. My Penn State guy, but he can be used. Yep. Yeah, can be used in the receiving game. Absolutely. When he's healthy, just don't ask him to steal off the backside on a, on a crucial third and two run play that you just described and let Darnell Washington get out there and actually lay the foundation in, in the ground game. Hell, somebody's got to block. And the offensive line sure as hell isn't doing it. Isaac Sayamalu has been a giant disappointment. Um, the, the line is a whole Mason Cole at one point tackled Najee Harris with his ass cheeks. Um, <laughs> I like I am, I am at a loss with this offensive line because here's what it comes around to. And we'll get into the fourth and one in, in a second. The scheme is not working. We could handle scheme not working if the talent was of a high enough level that it could work through it, that it could swim upstream. But the scheme is not working, and the talent is not good enough, really, at almost any position on offense. Outside of Pickens and Najee in flashes, there is not a, a – and Calvin Austin in flashes, there is not a position on this offense that is talented enough to overcome poor scheme. And then the scheme is not good enough to lift everybody else up around those guys who are talented enough, quarterback included. Um, It's just everything has gone wrong and is going to continue to go wrong until they make a concerted effort to change the scheme. And that begins and ends. And look, we're not these people that just print fire Canada shirts. We're not. Uh, We're not those people that start petitions uh, to fire Matt Canada. We're not. We understand it's a group effort, the sucktitude on offense here. But that's got to be step one here. Is that man, I'm sorry, I've reached my wits end. I had reached it a long time ago with him, but I was willing to give it a shot if he could do something this year in helping Kenny Pickett progress. Kenny Pickett has regressed. He's worse than he was last year. And the offense as a whole is somehow worse than it was last year, Josh. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's, this is the internal struggle <laughs> that I deal with when it comes to not only the personnel in this offense, not only the particular things they're trying to carry out and the people that are giving them the assignments to carry them out. Right. It, it, you just, you keep coming back. It's the same cycle. Like I look at the players and say, well, this is the talent that they have and they should be able to do this. And the problem is it doesn't matter what they do. It's just not working. It doesn't matter whether it's the stuff that's more particular to this offense or the stuff that everybody else is doing. They just can't do it. We talked about this after week one. We talked about San Francisco. We talked about the opening drive of the game. Dealers run jet sweep on their first first possession of the game. I think it was their mm-hmm. second stop that they called. They tried a jet sweep variation, and it didn't work. Meanwhile, the 49ers tried on the other side, and it worked just fine for them. Oh, yeah. So it leads me to believe that maybe it's not the scheme. Maybe there's just guys who cannot do it as well as the other side. So that's something you say, okay, if that's the case, if it's a talent issue, then maybe you go back to the drawing board. You say, well, if it's a talent issue, then why don't you try to find things that work for them? Well, maybe that's the problem. They can't find things that work, and the guy who's supposed to find things that work can't seem to come up with any ideas. This is something that stems back to last year for me. This was pre-Kenny Pickett when I talked about the issues that this offense had. And I talked about it specifically. But there are times when this offense would need to either convert a third down or just try to just move the chains or pick up yardage in a crucial situation. And there was just nothing they went to that they knew worked for them. And every team you can think of on any level that's worth its salt had at least one or two plays that it could go to. My brother-in-law didn't play football past high school. He was a high school offensive and defensive lineman. I asked him, I said, hey, when your team needed to get a first down, whether it was on third down or in fourth quarter to seal the game, who was the play call you called? He goes, oh, Trey left. We went Trey left all the time, which was a counter trade to the left side. He was like, it worked all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody had their play that they had. Yeah. The West Coast offense days, the Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, even into the Mike Shanahan, John Elway days. Sprint right option in the red zone was the go-to. You went to sprint right option. It, it, that was the Dwight Clark play that yep. beat the Cowboys. It was a Broncos play that, that got a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Got a touchdown against the Steelers in an AFC Championship game, I believe, on sprint right option. That was their go-to. This team does not have one. A go-to play that they know when they do this in this situation, this will work. They didn't have one last year. They don't have one this year. I don't think they had one two years ago. And it becomes a big problem. And there's a big thing of, oh, well, this offense is so predictable and they know what's coming. And my and that's our answer. That's their answer to why don't they just put these people in and do this? Well, they're going to know what's coming. Newsflash. They already know what's coming. What difference does it make now? There are times, believe it or not, folks, there are times when an offense does something and the other team knows and they still can't stop it. Right. Sometimes it happens. It is if nothing else for the law of averages, but it happens in the game. If you can put yourself in a situation where you say, you know what, if we put these guys out in the field and do this thing, we got a shot at it working, whether the defense knows or whether or not it gets telegraphed to them a year from now, do it anyway. Cause what's the alternative? How much worse could it be? Yeah. I, I don't care about who's on the field. I don't care about what the film says. I don't care about what people expect. If 
find the thing that works for you. Find that, do that, and then find the next thing. And do it again. And do it till well, they stop you. You got to be like George and, Novak running the same run play at exactly. Woodland Hills 40 times a game. Then do so it till it. they stop you. And when right. they stop that, find something else that works. But that's how this has to go. Because if you can't find anything that works, then you're just wasting your defense's time and you're making them run 41 plays in the first half, which is the equivalent of two-thirds of a game in two quarters of football. You are doing them a giant disservice by not finding something that works to sustain drives just for the very sake of getting first downs, much less getting points. And to further that point, to, to further that point, what we know works, one thing that we do know works with this offense, because it works across the entire league if people just do it correctly, is a quarterback sneak. A quarterback sneak works on fourth and one, regardless of whether it's fourth and like half a yard or fourth and a yard and a half, whatever. Fourth and two or less, quarterback sneak. If and you got a boy, done it. Yes, they, they, sometimes they, they've messed it up. True, but but they've done it. Whether it's a bush push, uh, a, a Philly shove, whatever you want to call it, everybody can execute a quarterback sneak. Even this offense can execute a quarterback sneak. So on fourth and one, with what feels like a game-changing moment on the line, all you gotta do, to your point, Josh, do what works. Just just run the quarterback sneak. Just run the quarterback sneak. No, instead, you first of all burn a timeout to get there. And then, and then you go shotgun on a fourth and one with some weird, I don't even know what they had planned. Maybe it was supposed to be a rollout. I don't know. It was play action and your rookie left tackle blows a block. And no, I, I went back and watched that play. He yeah. held his block. Kenny Pickett ran right into it. Uh, I thought Broderick Jones did his job. Which, because which, all they were supposed to, all he was supposed to do is drop back, sit in the pocket, and find the guy open. But he which, didn't have the patience to do that. Which, which makes it all that much worse because Kenny Pickett runs into a sack, which has become a habit of his, unfortunately, and it gets rolled up on. And now we're talking about some kind of MCL sprain, maybe not sure exactly what it is or how long he may be out. But now you're you're at a point where you're without your quarterback. Okay, you're without your quarterback. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing for this offense, to be quite honest. Sorry, but um, you're you're about to find out if this offense can actually do anything more or less based on Kenny Pickett's availability. I don't know if it's a good thing for Pickett or a bad thing for Pickett or a good thing for Canada or a bad thing for Canada, a good thing for any of us or a bad thing for any of us, but that's where we're at now. Is your quarterback got hurt because you went shotgun on fourth and one and he ran right into a sack? And we, we, cause, and we could go over the specifics of, oh, well, he didn't read, he didn't make this read and this guy didn't miss their block. I don't know it if it should have never been reads. a question. It that's should have never been an issue. We should not be debating over the, the, the specifics of a passing play in a situation that should have been a run situation and a very simple one where you needed to involve your biggest people that are good at moving other people. And you have two of them that have literally been doing that next to each other for actual years. And there's empirical and, and film and anecdotal proof of it. They won national championships together. 
at the level beneath you. Mm -hmm. That's why you brought them here. And yet you refuse to use those people to do the thing that they do better than anything else. And better than a lot of people who did what they do at their chosen level. One of them had a license plate that we talked about during the draft. <laughs> Fixed offensive lineman. Why was he not on the field on fourth and one? Uh, I, just, I, there is yeah, no defensible explanation for it. None. Do not sit there and tell me after the draft or after the offseason that this is how we're building our identity. We're going to be this big old tough and strong and pushy and bully mm-hmm. football team. We're going to get to a fourth and one. We're in a critical situation. We can get back into the game and not have those guys on the field. It makes no sense. There's no. It's not defensible. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you want to get to the discussion of firing your offensive coordinator, this is the time right here. Everything else proceeding, you can make a case. This is like Rico level evidence right here well, of why it, you indict that man. <laughs> That's it. We built. We built the case. We built the case, McNutty. Don't even need we built the case. The table. <laughs> Like the wire, you don't even need dope on the table. You you got everything on Mc, tap right there. McNutty, 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 why are you go? Why, why are you going shotgun on fourth and one, McNutty? Exactly. Like, um, come on, so, come on. So here's here's the thing. So a team, a team, no, because we're all feeling it, and oh. so a team that went out of its way to try and rebuild an offensive identity in the off season, right? Yes. Say Amalu. Drafting Jones, uh, signing uh, Herbig, uh, who ends up becoming who ends up becoming a backup once everything shuffles around. And he wasn't bad, by the way. Wasn't terrible today. And his starting role was that he did not hurt himself or hurt the offense. You 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 reinforce your defensive line, right, with Keanu Benton and uh, everything. Neither. No, but everything you did this offseason was about remaining consistent at the quarterback position so you could push forward with this 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 philosophy of we're going to insulate the quarterback right we're not going to mm-hmm. ask him to do too much it's not that we don't trust him but we're he's young him. and we're going to exactly and we're going to build off of our running game and you're you've been presented so many opportunities forget the okay you know what I'll throw the first three games out just today you were presented with so many opportunities to lean into that identity and you didn't, in the most crucial moments, you didn't lean into that identity. So here's where it comes back around to coaching. And not just your offensive coordinator looking like he doesn't quite understand what that identity is supposed to be. But again, the previous 17 years don't apply to today. You can be a Hall of Fame head coach with a Super Bowl ring and multiple appearances and several trips to the AFC Championship game, you can have all of that on your resume. But if you get to Sunday afternoon at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, and you forget your identity and what it's supposed to be, that's on you. And if you don't address it somehow by doing more than just telling us post game, oh, we're going to make changes, then then you're you're not worth anything more than those fun press conferences that you give us on Tuesday. I'm sorry. My frustration level has ebbed with Mike Tomlin as well because he's not doing anything to address it, Josh. This is, you know what this is? This is throwing the ball from the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line for, for the Pete Carroll 
context. Yep. In the Bill Belichick contest t- context, this is Rob Gronkowski on your prevent team in the end zone against Miami and giving up a late Hail Mary for a touchdown. That's right, right. Every great coach has one bonehead moment where you're like, what on earth were you doing? This is one of those. And, and like I said, they all have like, I, yeah. you name me a coach, we could probably pick a moment out where it's just like, what in the world was that going to do? And, and they all, and this is something that happens. It comes with experience. It comes with success. You start to think that maybe you know a little bit more yeah. than everybody else was. You, everybody else does. You start might smelling get, yourself. Start you smelling might yourself. Get, I'm, I'm going to use another reference mm-hmm. that from The Wire and other, other similar genres. You might get a little bit high on your own supply. Mm-hmm. And, and you might, I, I can do this because I, I know how to do this. There's a matter of fact, there's another coach in town that does the same exact thing that loves to think that he's just smarter than everybody else. And then he gets called on and it's just like, well, you don't understand. No, we understand you screwed up and that you won't own it. That's what that is. Yeah. That's beside the point. But it, it, it comes back around to the fact that, and this is, and Mike Tomlin is not the only one guilty of this. There are many a great coach that have made a terrible decision and it is blown up in their face. But this one is more egregious because it is based on what you in particular said you were going to do with your team. And you're right. You had multiple, multiple opportunities to live up to that expectation that you yourself, the head coach created, and you fell short. And everyone's it's, looking at you and, like, why is this happening? And here's here's the 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 part of it that links back to Canada that frustrates me and causes my frustration level with Mike Tomlin to be at its high watermark here is because you have an opportunity now and it's never too late. It's never too late in my opinion, to admit a mistake. I I don't care. I don't care how long you've wallowed in that mistake and how long you've tried to give us reasons for why it's not a mistake. When you finally come to the realization and I have to think today has to be it. When you finally come to the realization that you've made the mistake of foregoing uh, a, a change for the excuse of consistency's sake, uh, that you could have made the OC change in the offseason, but you didn't because Matt Canada is one of your dudes and you believe that it's better for your young quarterback to have consistency. And oh, Okay, fine. You finally now realize. I would hope he realizes. If he doesn't, then I, I don't know what to say. But I would hope Mike Tomlin finally realizes that is a mistake. That was a mistake. That, you know what? We are at a point now where Kenny Pickett's hurt. Not sure how long he's going to be out. It's going to be multiple weeks, I would think. Kenny Pickett is going to be out multiple weeks. You've got a bye week staring you in the face after this Ravens game. If ever there were a time to admit the mistake and say, yeah, you know what? We got to make a change. This would be it. Again, Maybe they go out and score 72 on the Ravens and we all, but you know how likely that is. It's more than likely they go out against the Ravens and they score 16 if we're lucky and they lose to Baltimore. And who knows? 16 may be enough against Baltimore because for some reason they have some weird, like, puppet master control of Lamar Jackson. I don't know how that happens. Or they'll score 23 off of like four field goals and win. And, and they'll act like it was the offensive performance of a lifetime. 
oh, all we heard all week was our offense is terrible, but look, we just kicked four field goals against Baltimore. No, so my point is this. Regardless of what happens against the Ravens, this man has got to go, and the man in charge has got to be the one to pull the trigger. It is time for, you texted this in in our group chat during the game, it is time for Michael Corleone to prove that he is the head of the family. And Mike Tomlin has got to be the one to tell Fredo, listen, pal, it's done. It's over with. It, it, we can't do this no more. You keep making stupid decisions and you're not in the family anymore. I'm sorry. It's time to go. It's time for that to, it's time for Fredo Canada to get got. I, I, I mentioned this in our, our group chat that it was that, it was that very drive after the turnover on downs and the defense mm-hmm. is on the field and there's a shot of Mike Tomlin in his face. <laughs> it looked just like Al Pacino's did in the scene where Michael's Michael and Fredo's mother died. Uh-huh. And Fredo comes back for the funeral. And while Michael is, is consoling a sobbing Fredo, he is also looking at Al Neary with this face as if to say, kill him as soon as you can. Because yes. remember, <laughs> if you remember the storyline, pretty much the mother was the only reason why he wouldn't kill Fredo while she was still alive. Yeah. As soon as she was dead, he's looking at Al like, you know what's going yeah. And Al's face is looking back at him like, all right, I guess I guess we're doing this. I guess we're whacking <laughs> this guy. But like, it, it 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 just comes to a point where you know, where, in any situation, in any context, where you know that there is a almost like a flag planet, or there is just a a a a was it what's what's the word I'm looking for? A keyframe put on the timeline that, hey, mm-hmm. this just ended. This is over. It's not working. Like, there was just a terminal, just an absolute terminal statement to all of it, where everybody just knew, this, you know what, this is not working. This was the Nexus event. This, 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 this was, was the Nexus event that happened, and it altered the entire freaking timeline. Because on any other timeline, MCU fans are what I'm talking about. Loki's coming to season, mm-hmm. season in a couple of days. <laughs> but in any other timeline on any other alternate universe or, or any other team in the NFL, they're putting their big dudes on the field and fourth and one and running the ball. So what it, they're doing. here's, here's what, here, here are the alternate timelines. Here, here's what we are facing. <laughs> remember the, remember the choose your own adventure books when we were kids. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so we, we've, we've been presented a, a simple either or choice here option. Either. We go forward beyond the bye week with Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator, or we decide to dispatch Matt Canada between now and the beginning of the bye week. The one timeline takes us to a place of great uncertainty, and we know the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and Mike Tomlin. Oh my God, uncertainty! Oh, any any football coach really hates uncertainty, but really? combine Mike Tomlin, uh, the most footballing coach of all football coaches I think with the Rooney family and the Pittsburgh Steelers oh my god change and uncertainty uh. and so yes it, it that timeline will have change and uncertainty abound but there's the possibility that things get better they may even get worse before they get better but the possibility exists that things get better the other timeline is with Matt Canada staying put is things stay the same. There is no, the possibility that things get better is so Very infinitesimal slim. that 
you have to go down the path of uncertainty and change. And it's scary. I know all that change is scary, but that's your greater chance at improvement. Even if it gets worse before it gets better. Even if this offense has to go through the rest of the year with uh, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett looking like, well, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Uh, and you get to the end of the year, and at the very least, you know, you know, hey, uh, nobody here is able to fix this offense, and the quarterback's not the answer, and we're going to go into the offseason. We've got to find a different direction, maybe in multiple places. But at the very least, you've gotten the offensive coordinator as an impediment out of the way. You can no longer lean back on that. At the very least, do that at the very least, start to learn something about what else you have and whether that's the problem or you're going to be stuck in this world where you're forever wondering, is it the offensive coordinator? Ah, he's our guy. He's He'll figure it. He'll fix it. At a certain point, we've got to take that path of change. And change is scary, and it may get worse before it gets better, but that's the only way we find out what we really have. The thing that sticks out with everything you laid out, because the, the concept of them going in a different direction. The next question is, who's the guy that facilitates that change? Right. Is it Mike Sullivan? Is that the obvious, most obvious, easiest answer? Because last I checked, there's no offensive assistant or senior offensive consultant with no. this team. This team doesn't have a Tom Moore. It doesn't have a Jim Caldwell, whom I wanted to possibly see around here, by the way, last season. Yeah. I thought that would have been a great option. Still think it would be a great option. But there, there's no guy here that's helping kind of keep everything fused together that would be able to continue to do that, say, if you were to move on from or take responsibility away from said offensive coordinator. Because yeah, you're going to be flying blind. Feeling, yeah, I get the feeling that's what we're going to see. I, I have this weird um, Parks and Recreation-esque <laughs> thought in my mind where they, they, they take – kind of like a reverse quiet quitting situation where they just take Matt Canada's job away from him and say, here, we're going to very quietly and silently pass this on to this person. You could stay in the job that you're at, but we're not going to let you put the game plan together. We're going to let this guy do that. We're not going to let you call plays. We're going to let this guy do that. And instead of you coming up with the game plan, no, no, no. It's going to be a bunch of us sitting around together and formulating this in a way that we think makes sense because it's now no longer the responsibility or at least the, the ultimate responsibility belonging to one person. That's what I see. And the worst part about it is I don't know how it's better. That's yeah, that, what scares me. So, so that's what I mean by yeah, it's going it, to, it, it's, it's really possible. This gets worse before it gets better. Right. It's, it's, it's entirely yeah. possible because Kenny Pickett, with a new play caller or new, you know, scheme might still be Kenny Pickett. Like, and, and that's now it, it, the other 
the other side of that coin is like I look at it and say, well, if nothing else, you find out if Kenny Pickett is just Kenny Pickett or if Kenny Pickett might be something more. If there might be some growth out there or the best Kenny Pickett is ever going to be is Christmas Eve against the Raiders, right? If, if, if that's it, hopefully you find that out through the adversity of the back half of this year when you're making scheme changes and coordinator changes. Now, I also unfortunately know that they're going to look at it in a diametrically opposite way, which is, well, we got to give them more time. We changed the OC midstream. How can we accurately judge? And I will look back on it and say, well, he bails the pocket too early. He's inaccurate. He doesn't read post-snap. I don't know how much he reads pre-snap. Um, I can tell that this guy ain't it. And look, maybe he is, and he figures something out with somebody else calling the plays or some kind of other scheme. But that's what the rest of this season, once he's healthy again, again, we don't have no idea how long he's going to be out. Uh, but that, that's what this year has to be about is getting the clutter of, well, it could all be Matt Canada's fault, getting that out of the way. The only way we start to clean the garage is if we start to pull this old stuff off the shelves yeah. and, and start to reorganize it. Right. We got to start reorganizing. Yeah. And, and, and to your point where you talk about, you know, the quarterback's ability to do certain things, I'm glad you brought up free snap and, and, and staying in clean pockets and throwing the ball accurately. Cause I, I'm going to lay this out there. The Steelers have played four games now, correct? Two, two at Acrisure stadium and two mm-hmm. on the road. Can we identify one game, one 60-minute period where said quarterback, Kenneth of House Pickett, <laughs> did all those things you talked about better than the other guy? I'm not talking about offensive coordinator. I'm not talking about scheme. I'm not talking about play call. I'm talking about quarterback came to the line, saw X, did X, executed X, and did it better than the other guy for that given 60 minutes on that day. Have we seen that in each of these first four games? You can make a case for Vegas, and I'd listen. But even then, James one drive. had himself a date with Devontae Adams, and it was one drive it really happened. Yeah. So I, I'd make the case that we haven't seen it yet. But the worst part about it is, Two of those games, two of those, two of those games were veteran quarterbacks. Fine. One was in your division. He got paid a ton of money, even though it's a stupid idea. That's beside the point. <laughs> but the other two situations, one is a second-year quarterback, just like you, that got drafted yeah. six rounds behind you. The other one is a rookie quarterback who got drafted in the first round, just like you, but he got drafted this year. And he's already Looking doing back. the things. Yeah that you can't do. And he didn't just do them today against your team. He's been doing them against all the teams. He's done it four times already. Because after and this game, Bryce, um, I must call Bryce think CJ Stroud still has not thrown an interception. Yeah. And he didn't get sacked once in this game, which leads me to believe, A, the Texans did a really good job of making oh. sure that CJ Stroud got the ball out before anybody got within his zip code. And B, He's able to do those things because he's seeing what he needs to see, processing what he needs to process, and executing what he needs to execute. I got to give a shout out to Rocco DeMera. This will be my final thought about this. And he really pointed this out well. He said, Kenny Pickett has a personal quarterback coach. He works around the clock, around, around the calendar with his receivers, going over this, going over that. He's played umpteen amount of snaps in college, and he's 25 years old. 
and he's still not doing the things that you need quarterbacks in his position to do. Remember we talked about coming out of the draft, and I say he passed the Parcells test and the games played and the games that he won, the completion percentage and touchdown ratio. He did all those things. That was all the things that you were expected to do to be able to walk into this level and perform. Right. Performance has not been there. Sooner or later, we we can talk about the offensive coordinator all we want, but I think you're right about this. Sooner or later, you got to set the offensive coordinator to the side and have a very honest conversation with yourself of, is this guy that we drafted in the first round capable of what we drafted him to do? And if he's not, we got to figure out why. Well, and the reason the decision needs to be made more quickly than they will make it, and I know they won't make a decision on OC or quarterback quickly. I know they're going to drag both of these things out through the end of the year. They will. And the reason it needs to happen more quickly is because you're wasting what little prime is left of TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And you can't waste any more. TJ is of the age where his brother started to break down. TJ does not have a ton of tread left on the tires. I'm just telling you. And he's coming you. off an injury last year. Yes. And you, it, Cam, we, we might, look, I hate he's to say something year. like this. He's hurt now. And who knows what he's going to look like when he gets back and how much yeah. time he has left. Minka admittedly is a little bit younger and I'm sure still has a lot of good football left in him. But where's, where's Minka really been the last few weeks? So, all of the, all of that is to say you need to accelerate your decision making processes, and they're not going to do that. Nope. Instead, they're going to give Pickett the length of his rookie deal, which is at least two more years after this one. Yep. And they're going to wait until this offseason to make a change in offensive scheme and coordinator so that they can give Pickett those other two years with a new coordinator. They will probably choose to pick up his fifth-year option because, well, we're Pittsburgh and we're patient with everybody, and that's just the way we do business, which means we'll get a third year of Pickett where either he has finally figured it out under a new offensive coordinator, who knows who that is, or he'll be a lame duck. And we'll be talking about going out and finding another quarterback. The Kenny Pickett experiment at quarterback was never going to be brief. It was always going to be the full five-year length of a rookie quarterback's contract and that first-round quarterback's contract. And that's what we're staring down the barrel of, Josh, is wasting the next two or three years. Again, maybe it all comes together with a new OC and Pickett all of a sudden starts looking like the guy. I would love for that to happen. I hope it happens, and I'm completely wrong right now. But what's probably going to happen is that the last few quality years of TJ Watt's career and the prime of Minka Fitzpatrick's career and the end of Cam Hayward's career are going to be wasted while they try to figure out if Kenny Pickett is the guy or not with another offensive coordinator. And what makes matters worse is even if he is the guy, the next honest conversation you have to have with yourself after you've had an honest, honest conversation about the offensive coordinator and after you've had an honest conversation about the quarterback, the next honest conversation you need to have is do you have the right guys around him for him to continue to be or become the guy? Right. And if you don't, that's another thing you're going to have to address, even though we thought they addressed it in the offseason. Apparently they and we and everybody else involved were wrong. But th <sighs> this this all, because the thing is, 
The simple thing to do, and this is the problem with this whole situation. The simple thing to do is to say, oh, well, it's just the coordinator because it's not just the coordinator. It's not. The simple thing to do is to say, oh, well, it's the offensive line because it's not just the offensive line. The simple thing to do will say, well, it's the running backs because it's not just the running backs and it's not even just the wide receivers and they're not without fault either. This is an entirely all-encompassingly bad thing that's happening. And we talked about confidence being the operative word after the San Francisco game and maybe after the Cleveland game. Here's a word I'm going to throw out there. And this is based on what Brian Batcom from the Post-Gazette reported. Um, Well, I should say he tweeted it. He didn't necessarily report it, but he tweeted it. And he said, you know, Najee Harris went up to, I think, Broderick Jones and was trying to pull him to the side about, hey, trying to get the players together for for a meeting of their own and talking to the group collectively. Mm -hmm. And you know what it brings, the word it brings me to now? Trust. They now all have to trust each other because I'm not always 100% certain. I'm not certain that the running back, that the your number one running back trusts your offensive line. I'm not sure your quarterback trusts your offensive line. And I'm not sure the 11 guys out there at any given time either trust the other collective 10 guys or the guy telling them what to do. It, there's just a whole, yeah. whole problem with everybody involved trusting that the guy next to them or the guy above them will do their job. And if you can't figure that out, everything we just talked about is pointless. Yeah, because they've got to be honest with each other, right? Yes. There's got to be accountability. And yes. if that doesn't start as an example at the top with Mike Tomlin being honest with Matt Canada and holding him accountable for what the offense has become, then no one else sees a pattern of accountability and honesty. And it's funny. Exactly. This this 2008 podcast that I've done, the Omama thing with all the guys from the 2008 defense, the one thing that stuck with me the most so far with Larry Foote is those guys were all super close because they hung together off the field. They were like brothers. And Larry made a great point. He said, that's when you can hold trust that you're going to hold each other accountable because you don't worry about what the dude next to you thinks. He's like, there were times officials would look at each other and ask, are we supposed to break up this fight between teammates? Because we're screaming at each other out there mm-hmm. on the field in the huddle about who's supposed to do what, but we were just holding each other accountable. There's no accountability. It's gone. It's out the window because it's not starting at the top by hold- with the offensive coordinator being held accountable. And then it trickles on down and nobody's got that open, honest accountability with each other. You're right. There's no trust. There's no confidence. It's just 11 zombies out there. You remember the Ike Taylor show days as well as I do. You might remember a lot of them more than I do because we, we came for that same outfit. Yep. And Ike used to tell a lot of stories about that. <laughs> and he said, he told me the same thing you did. He's like, you know, we half the time we'd be fighting each other more than we're worried about fighting the other teams. We're trying to get it right. Together. But he also told me a great story. He said, there were times when we, if we messed up or if one person messed up, you didn't even want to go back to the sideline. Because you knew someone was going to get down your throat by the time mm-hmm. you got there. I, I went to Chris Hoke about this. He's working with Chris Hoke now on TV. I can kind of bounce things off him. I was like, Hoke, I got to tell you a story. I'm like, hey, I can confirm the story with you. I told him what I told me. He goes, yeah, that's true. Then he proceeded to tell me about the worst example of that was I himself getting chewed out by, of all people, Casey Hampton. 
Pokey told me this story. He said Casey got on him so bad. He's like, we felt bad by the time he was done because he he just he got on Ike's case. He said, but Ike never did it again. He never made that mistake a second time. But yeah. he confirmed what I said. He goes, he, he said, if we made a mistake, he goes, you were going to hear it from the guys on that sideline because you didn't want to let the other guy down. Right. Because the other guy was out there trying to kill himself to do his job, and you better been you better have been out there doing the same. I don't see that here, mm-hmm. and I I don't I I, I sometimes you see two or three different stories from two or three different people on the same side of the ball with this offense. That's yeah. the thing that confuses me, and it it leads me to believe that there's either some people out there that are out for themselves, some people that don't want to be honest, or like you said, there just there is no real cohesion to where people are holding themselves or holding each other for that matter accountable to get the job done. Well, this is what a 30 to six loss to the Texans will do to you. It will turn into just 48 minutes or so of just catharsis. That's what especially this was. when it follows, especially when it's three weeks after a 30 to seven loss to the 49ers that look eerily familiar. Yeah. Well, same coaching tree, right? Shouldn't be surprised. Shouldn't be surprised by that at all. All right. We're going to push through the week and hope that this team figures something out before Sunday when the Ravens Um, come to town, because if they don't, the Ravens are going to put it on them. Lamar, we texted about this earlier. Lamar looks like he's starting to cook a little bit in that Todd Munkin offense. And that could be scary against a defense that looked lost today against CJ Stroud. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's also entirely possible. Like I said earlier that we get exactly what the Steelers have been for the last half decade or so, which is up, down, up, down, up, down. And they come out and they beat the Ravens 16 to three or something. And because they always seem to have Lamar's number and we're talking about them somehow being in first place going into the bye week and they'll all be folded into thinking that everything's okay. That's exactly what will happen. Cause that's how this team goes. Exactly. That's exactly Josh, what's going to happen. Uh, all right. We got to both go sleep this one off. We, uh, we will do it again throughout the week because that's how we do it. Make sure to subscribe and follow inside whatever app you use to get your podcast, including, of course, your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Thanks again for joining us. If you watched on YouTube, we appreciate it. Uh, we will have more episodes throughout the week. Thanks to Greg Finley for producing. Thanks to Josh for – I feel like we needed to get this out, so we both got it all out. And I think Catharsis. we can – Yes, that's the title, Greg. Don't even ask when we when we finish recording. That's the title of this episode, Catharsis. Catharsis, I love it. Uh, and we will push through. We'll be back for another full episode to break down the Mike Tomlin press conference and throughout the week to build up to that Ravens game right here on 4th Down in the Steel City.